You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge, Ken. That's very strange. It is really strange. We were having a good laugh right before we started with we all of our guests. It's been a wild a wild afternoon here and we're so excited to introduce our guests in, in one second. Uh, Matt isn't going to be here today. Uh, he's actually at a uh, comic convention uh, running the Fantastic Four booth. That's an inside joke everyone here will get, but no one listening will get. But that's okay, because that's <laughs> We're just talking choice. about certain properties of certain members of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, what's rubbery, what's not, and what stretches. really, we should have been talking about the properties of the thing, but... that's Well, yeah, the, when their name is the thing. Yeah. Um, and they're always rock hard. Obviously, he's made of rocks, so... <laughs> Come on. Um, he's hard rock. He's a hard rock hotel. He's, he's just, you know, he's a rock. All right, I'm going to have to bleep that, but... Continue. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, Matt isn't here, um, but uh, we're super excited today because as we've been doing uh, recently, uh, our final 10 episodes on our road to 300 uh, continues today. Uh, we have uh, some wonderful guests with us, some that were uh, with us right from the beginning, some that before have been- Before the beginning. Before the beginning, that's uh, true. Some that are more recent, and uh, we want to celebrate everyone. So um, let's start uh, from when we first started, uh, as we've said many, many times on this podcast. Before the dawn of time. BT, before triviality. Before triviality. Uh, none of this uh, would have been made possible uh, without uh, the tutelage of one of our, our closest friends. Uh, and we're just so honored uh, to be in their presence when we can. Uh, not, not so much uh, lately um, at Pub Trivia. Um, but uh, she was a, a patron um, uh, September 25th, 2017, so our second patron ever. Um, but uh, we were uh, just inspired by her and, and all the wonderful things that she does, and, and we're so excited to uh, have her here as always. Rules Guy Impersonator on Patreon, second patron ever, Jay Borsom. How are you? Uh, you give me far too much credit for all the work that you have done over the years, gentlemen, but I am so thrilled to be back again in the studio. Uh, not your studio, my studio, uh, which has all the rum in it, so I'm sorry <laughs> and you're not welcome to it, but uh, it's good to be with you guys. So happy to have you here, uh, and thank you once again, obviously. We we started playing pub trivia with you, and uh, and it led to all, all things triviality, but um, uh, thank you so much for being with us uh, throughout this entire uh, length of time. Oh, it's been an absolute blast to watch you guys grow and prosper and succeed. And I'm here for the next 300 and more. Oh, thank and you. What, what recent projects have you been uh, working on, Jay? 
Oh, that is a loaded question, Ken, but I'm here to answer it. Uh, so starting at the beginning of 2022, I kicked off my own kind of spin on a concept like Learned League or BP Trivia or some of the async asynchronous online quizzes that have existed for years and years. It's called the World Trivia Federation. Uh, it's available through my Patreon for uh, as low as $2 a month. It is three weekly quizzes, general knowledge, that drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Players have 36 hours to submit their answers. Uh, we use an ELO rating system uh, to both matchmake and to serve as a leaderboard. Uh, and the big hook for this gimmick is that there is never an obligation to participate. There is no such thing as a forfeit. Cool. Yeah, and if you if you love trivia, like everyone who listening uh, surely does, uh, make sure to check out WTF. Uh, for I mean, two dollars a month is is pretty great for all the amount of trivia that you get. Yeah. Sure. As I was gonna um, say, WTF, sign up now. Jay, you still streaming? Oh yeah, no, still streaming uh, four or five times a week. It cut down a little bit after 2021, but still hosting trivia and trivia adjacent games on uh, Twitch at Liquid underscore Courage. Awesome. Yeah, I was so waiting tune for Neil to well. incorrectly correct my pronunciation courage. on Courage. But... Courage. Uh, well, speaking of streaming, uh, uh, someone that you may have seen uh, on the stream waves or whatever you call them, I suppose, the young kids today, um, someone who's been a, a patron of ours uh, since June of 2019, so another uh, longstanding patron, Savage Superstar on Patreon, uh, local as well, Jeremy Goodson. How are you, Jeremy? I am good. How are you all doing? Doing great. Uh, remind the folks at home uh, what you're up to, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, so if you're looking for me, uh, besides random podcast appearances uh, lately, uh, twitch.tv slash LKJeremy, which also LK standing for Liquid Courage, as uh, Jay and I have been friends for over a decade now. There you go. Well, I did not have a kid when we met. <laughs> I only had the one. <laughs> Now this is uh, this is a a match made in heaven here uh, for for trivia enthusiasts. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for being here and uh, just for also for supporting us for so long and uh, being such a great friend of the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm just happy to see how far you guys have come. Uh, I remember meeting you at trivia <laughs> way 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 long time ago. Now it feels like. Yep. And to complete the triangle of J's. Right. It is a triangle of J's today. Um, I think there was another phrase we said that we'll probably get to that was great, too, and I can't remember. But a lot of J's today. Um, and uh, we're so happy to have uh, our host with the most back in the saddle and whatever other phrases you can say that are just like that. Um, coming to us from Massachusetts, uh, an Oakland Five supporter on Patreon as of 2022. So one of our newer patrons, but someone that we very much appreciate all of their help. That is Jamie Rishikoff. How are you, Jamie? Doing good. Thanks for having me back. Of course, uh, for anyone who's a patron, you might remember uh, Jamie's Patreon bonus episode, uh, which we had a wonderful uh, topic of what, Ken? Uh, animal sex. Animal sex. Uh, so it's yeah, unforgettable. I outvoted. I was going for Freudian fornications for the mm -hmm. title, but you know. There you go. Uh, but we had a, a wonderful time then, but we also had a wonderful time with your, your regular game as well. But let's remind folks uh, about what you're up to in Massachusetts uh, and uh, you know what we're in store for today. Uh, so I'm a psychologist. I work with kids and teens um, and uh, not sure what else to say. Live in Natick, Massachusetts. Love it. And I think we said last time that uh, we were in need of heavy amounts of therapy probably after the episode. And so uh, <laughs> Jamie has become our, our private triviality doctor, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in session. But um, thank you, Jamie, for joining us today. Um, we have everyone here we need to play. Um, and we need a rules read, Ken. So what are you feeling today? Or maybe we'll have, we'll have Jamie pick. What does Jamie want to hear? Jamie? Um, 
How about Gilbert Gottfried? All right, we'll hear Gilbert Gottfried. Triviality Podcast is two rounds of 20 questions worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there's a special swing round by this week's host. In the final round, players wager points they've earned for a chance to become the cream of the crop. I am the cream. Yeah, the cream of the crop. All right, we have the rules, thanks to Gilbert, and uh, it's time to go. So uh, teams today are going to be the uh, the Jays, uh, Jay and Jeremy, versus uh, who's sitting out? You? Yeah. Too many Jays, right? We couldn't have too many Jays. So. Okay, so versus uh, me and Neil. So is that going to be your uh, your team name, what you typed there, Menage J. Toi? No, I was figuring that was a good suggestion for the episode title. Uh, I think Jeremy have decided that we are going to name ourselves the bald and the beautiful. Ah, could so be could be said the same about you us can in decide the studio. Who's, uh, who's which? <laughs> yeah, we, well, we need we have to have another soap opera name then. So, what, do you want uh, one life to live or all my children? Pun there that we can make. Oh, considering the uh, the pre recording conversation we had, I was going to go with genital hospital. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we'll, that's what we'll do. Genital hospital? Yes. Oh, okay. Right. Perfect. Okay. Oh, the poor kids of triviality. What's a genital? Oh. Okay. All right. I'll remind you from last time I did general general trivia that I like to theme my rounds. Did you say so. general trivia or genital trivia? <laughs> uh, in this case, general trivia. Okay. Yes, the general the genital <laughs> trivia was the bonus episode. Okay. <laughs> Accurate. Uh, so round one is titled "You Look Familiar." He, number question one: He's the handsome one. Over the course of twenty-three years, this actor has played the same character on eleven different TV shows, including The X Files, Arrested Development, and The Simpsons. Name the actor, and for a bonus point, name the character. All right, I think Jeremy and I are locked in on this. If you guys want to talk it through, sweet. Um, so he's the handsome one. Immediately makes me think of the old phrase when people used to talk about the Baldwins. But I don't know if there was a Baldwin on X. Not a character though. Oh yeah, I guess it's a character, right? All right. Uh, well, we don't really know. Um, we know a long-running character. I'm not sure if they were on these shows, but we're gonna say uh, Rip Taylor. I'm not sure if that's a real name or if that's a stage persona. Uh, Jeremy, do you want to take it or me? Because I feel like we tag team this a little bit. We did. I mean, we both had the same uh, the same idea. And Jay's thing was, I think this is a John Munch universe thing. And I w- as I was typing Richard Belzer uh, into uh, Discord. So we both had the same idea. Don't know if it's right. But uh, so we're going John Munch as the character and Richard Belzer as the actor. Uh, so points to the bald and the beautiful. That is Richard Belzer playing John Munch. And I lifted out the the easier answers like Homicide and Law and Order and all the cop shows and left these other random things he appeared on in character. Now, I was actually surprised, Jamie, that you didn't choose to include Sesame Street because I know he's oh, played John Munch in Sesame Street. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. That was a contender. He does look like a Muppet, but in a, <laughs> but in a good way. All right. Question two. He did his best. This classic fictional character holds the Guinness World Record for the most portrayed literary human character in film and TV. 
As of 2016, he had appeared 254 times on screen. We can lock in over here. All right. So a couple uh, came to mind real quick, just off the first read, Jeremy. The first that I was thinking of, I know there's some kind of record that has to do with Pinocchio. It might be that Pinocchio has been adapted into more literary works than any other like classic story, but I don't think it's the answer here. So I started thinking through other characters. Uh, I went to Robin Hood for a second and then kind of quickly discounted it. I I have this this notion in the back of my head that's yelling Sherlock Holmes at me. What do you think on that? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, going over the other ones, you said like Pinocchio as an example, there have been quite a few works, but I don't think there's been a lot of like TV and stuff with it. Kind of like where Sherlock has multiple TV shows, multiple movies like throughout the years and a ton of books. So, yep. Uh, this one, um, came pretty quickly just from knowing the character so well, but, uh, we agree. We think it is Sherlock Holmes. Yep. Points all around Sherlock Holmes. Uh, question three. An immortal character. This character holds a record for the most often portrayed non-human character from literature, with 274 appearances in film and TV. The first cinematic appearance happened in 1921. We're locked in. Yeah, so the one thing that popped into my head, and it could be wrong, but I know there's multiple works, and... Even though it's technically was a human at one point, the first thing that popped to my head hearing this question was Dracula. Um, I was thinking more like a Greek character, maybe Hercules, Zeus, something like that. But I'm I'm really just kind of stabbing in the dark. If you have energy on Dracula, I am here for it. Uh, I'm good to lock it in if you are. It's just one of those. It fits the immortal clue, uh, and it's non-human technically. And I I don't have a ton of like fire on it but at the same time it's like it just popped into my head and makes sense so and we agree that it is dracula probably the first one would be uh, nasratu uh points all around count dracula i think it's not nasratu because they basically made dracula without the rights to dracula the vampire oh so it must be todd browning's uh oh no dracula halala what is this i've never heard of this dracula's death 1921 Look at that. Interesting. I mean, yeah, the, the novel only came out like 25 years before that. So it was still under pretty strong copyright, even in the pre-Disney ruin the concept of copyright days. Wow. I've never what heard country this, is this from from Austria. Austria. I've never heard of this before. It what? looks like a very uh, um, accurate adaptation with uh, the characters Dracula, Mary, George, the chief surgeon, the fake surgeon, his assistant and funny man. Ah, Jeff, you're in there. Funny Sounds man. Just like the, well, the real Dracula. Yeah. My name is also Carl Goetz. <laughs> Question four, the wonder worker, this legendary character based in British and Dutch folklore and transformed closer to our more familiar modern version in 1800s, New York city has appeared on screen over 814 times. I think we're locked in. Well, I was thinking through, I, I, I was trying to figure out what the question was asking until you got about two thirds of the way through. And then the combination of British and Dutch in New York is just screaming Santa Claus to me. That's, so that's what that's, we said as well. That's what uh, yeah. Jeremy and I are going. Yeah. He said, Papo Gijo. Uh, ho, ho, ho. It is Santa. Have you ever been asked to play Santa Claus, Jamie, with your best beard? <laughs> uh, actually, I think my father <laughs> played Santa once in some play or something. I'm not even kidding. But I've never had the pleasure. You'd make a good, like, young Santa and, like, a gritty gritty reboot 
like someone killed one of the reindeer like comet's just dead and he come oh, i'm gonna get revenge, revenge of santa <laughs> oh i am stupidly santa excited for that david harbour santa movie that's coming out very soon yeah i can't wait for that either anytime santa gets gets dirty and fights people it's, it's gonna be a good time uh question five a real wild man johnny weissmuller holds the record for one actor playing the same character the most times in different movies. He played this character in 12 different movies between 1932 and 1948. What was the character? Yeah, this, uh, unfortunately, uh, for me was an instigate with Jeremy. So we're going to hand it over to you. Okay. He said wild man. So I would think maybe wild Bill Hickok. That would be a big period with uh, Westerns as well. Oh yeah, that could be that, that could be true too. Yeah, I was thinking all it's also Or Tarzan. Twelve. Okay. That could be yeah, that could be it. Tarzan. Yeah, I'm thinking it's either like yeah, Tar Tarzan. I'm, the only other thing I'm thinking of is like a film noir character. Um, but like all the with big, the wild clue though. The wild, yeah. I think there are a lot of Tarzan movies. Maybe we should go with that. All right, Tarzan. Yeah, and Jeremy and I concur on that. I've uh, I've written a question not dissimilar to this years and years ago about Johnny Weissmuller being an Olympic athlete. I think he was a swimmer, uh, but I could be wrong on the exact sport. But uh, you know, before he rose to fame as being shirtless and yelly, he was shirtless and competitive in the Olympics. So we also agree with Tarzan. Yeah, Tarzan, it is. All right, with that uh, question five out of the way, looks like Jays of our lives. Is that what what it was? The ball, the ball kind of wish it was now. The beautiful, uh, fifty points and uh, fifty-one. Ken, fifty-one. They had the what? bonus from the first. One. Oh, there was a bonus. Okay, fifty-one points and uh, forty points for genital hospital. Question six: When you go out, don't tell them the arms that I have. The actor who was portrayed the most times by other actors is not even famous for his acting but his role in history. He has been portrayed 11 times in TV shows and movies by other people. Okay. Uh, I threw an idea at Jeremy and it seems like you're on board with me on this. Yeah. I, and uh, it, uh, it fits the clue. <laughs> yeah, definitely. When I think of actors that are famous for things that have nothing to do with acting, uh, it may help that I earlier today was writing a question about uh, the, the TV series Bones uh, <laughs> because the, the name Booth was in, in my head. And I really think that's, this is going to fit that clue. So I think we're going to lock in with John Wilkes Booth. And we said the same. Oh, well, you're on the right track. It is John Wilkes Booth. Well done. Uh, question seven, dynamite performance. What historical figure has been portrayed most often in movies? He's been featured in 194 movies. All right. I think we're locked in. All right. They're locked in. So the, the clue finally clicked. So is there someone dynamite? Nobel? That I don't I don't think I've ever seen a movie with uh, Nobel in it. No, I haven't either. Is it someone who used explosions quite a bit? Um, like so a war person or um, war here? Like, let me think dynamite. Let's say dynamite specifically. Dynamite performance. Yeah, something with a bomb, something with an explosion. 194 times. Oh, and you said it was a historical figure that was basically... Yeah, so they performed as a historical figure 194 times. All right, well, we're cluing into Dynamite. We can't quite connect it. We were thinking about a lot of things, but we just have to end up guessing on this one. We're going to say Wyatt Earp. It's always good to go with a cowboy when you're talking about movies. 
Yeah, so I actually sent Jay a message that said Nobel, like because it's the first thing that came to mind. And then hearing the reread, uh, Dynamite locked in a little bit more beyond um, Nobel. And I go, well, there's another Dynamite that happened that that's in film that's also a historic figure, and that'd be Napoleon mm. Dynamite or Napoleon Bonaparte. Oh. So that's what we locked in with. Oh, Jeremy, you caught it. Nicely done. It is saved my butt on that one. It is Napoleon Bonaparte. That is a great, yeah, great clue poll there. Wow. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, your favorite, Ken, playing Napoleon Dynamite filming right now. Playing Napoleon Dynamite? Or (laughs) (laughs) playing Napoleon, although I'd I'd love to see him play Napoleon Dynamite. That would actually be really good. Like, I know I'm out of the modern film, Luke Neal, but I I think that's a lie. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be dark and gritty. Yeah, just for the big dance number at the end. Like, vote for Pedro or else. (laughs) Uh, Question eight. This one is a cliffhanger. What is the longest running game show in network or syndication? The show originally aired on network TV from 1956 to 65, and a syndicated version premiered in 1972. Yeah, Jeremy and I are, are easily locked in on this one. So Cliffhanger makes me think of one of those prices right games. Um, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, and I do know, I always think of Bob Barker as like, you know, the prices right guy, but I'm pretty sure there was a host before him for quite a long was time. There? What, right? I think. Could be. Because the price was wrong. Uh, and, and happy go came in and he came it. in yeah and he came in and... i'm good with i'm good to go with that if you have a hunch it's just my hunch yeah let's just, let's just go with uh the price is right and hope that bob barker doesn't knock us out yeah jeremy and i very much went the same way off of the clue cliffhangers i was hoping that this was going to somehow go in a sylvester stallone direction but i'm very happy uh that it went in a game show direction uh and yeah cliffhangers is the yodely guy uh without going over the cliff show on the price is right so we are we're both on the same page on that one and are locked in. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I know this, but it's in my head. Uh, the host you're looking for is Bill Cullen, I believe. Oh, wow. Mm, related to Edward Cullen, Vampire of Twilight. <laughs> same Thank you for that, Jeremy. I couldn't get Art Fleming out of my head, and I know he was like the original host of Jeopardy. Yeah. I'm now regretting not offering a bonus point if you could hum the yodeler for the bonus point on this question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, the price is right is absolutely correct. Uh, Question nine, I believe. With more than 1,600 recorded cover versions, what song has been covered the most times? All right, Jeremy and I danced around this a little bit, but I think we're in agreement on a guess, so we're locked in. All right, so they're locked in quickly, which doesn't bode well for us, but the I believe right off the bat, um, every time there's marketing for Christmas, it's always I believe or whatever, and it makes me think of Santa Claus, which I know we had a Santa Claus question, but... White Christmas is covered quite a lot, and so I so is like a couple other Christmas songs. But what about one with Santa, like Santa Claus is coming to town, or something like that? That might be, yeah, maybe we go that route. Santa Claus is coming to town because you got, I mean, the famous ones obviously the Bruce Springsteen, and then the other ones. But um, I like that because I, I think it's got to be. I could be way off, but I'm I'm guessing it's a Christmas song. All right, let's go. Santa Claus is coming to town. Okay. All right, and for our mileage, uh, for whatever reason, the the title Imagine absolutely came to mind on the read. Um, so I was definitely thinking of Beatles thing and I was trying to convince myself and Jeremy that that was right. Uh, fortunately, Jeremy shifted direction a little bit uh, and I'll let him take it from here. Yeah, because I believe 
in yesterday. Uh, Jeremy, excellent pull again. That is exactly where I was going. Yesterday is correct. So, Jamie, when did you send Jeremy the questions before the recording? <laughs> right after the check cleared, of course. <laughs> uh, question 10, Sanaka Village. With appearances in movies like Enchanted, Elf, and Spider-Man 3, to name a few, what is the most used film and TV location off of studio lots? I know this one. We can lock in. As do I. I remember hearing something not that long ago that Central Park is one of the biggest filming locations uh, outside of a studio lot. So, Oh, I really like that answer, Jeremy. That's first thing that came to mind, and uh, I can't think of anything else. So that's where I, that was where my mind was. Yeah, my ball is in your court on this. If you think it, let's go with it. And then we're going to lock in Central Park. Yep. Uh, Central Park, uh, most uh, film location in the world, like Jer uh, like Jamie said. And I believe Sanaka or Seneca Village, that was the uh, the land that uh, existed before they turned it into Central Park. Uh, and that's what we locked in with. Oh, okay. Yeah, I probably mispronounced that, but you got all the clues. Absolutely correct. All right. Yet to miss a question and picking up a bonus as well, the bald and the beautiful. Uh, with 70 points trailing genital hospital it's crazy we only missed three questions but it feels like we're miles away we're gonna have to go to the hospital after this game i think i think we will yeah and jamie's gonna be footing the bill i think the big difference here is that uh matt isn't here to ask any questions about slam ball yeah there you go, true. Jay. you have a second chance to you, redeem yourself. you do have a second chance I, I saw a tweet that said slam ball is coming back um, but for, for anyone who does, isn't familiar with Slam Ball, but is more familiar with our show, uh, all three of our guests today are Patreon uh, supporters. So if you'd like to get some ad-free versions of our main feed episodes, you can join for as little as $1 a month, uh, and that will get you all of our uh, episodes with no ads. But if you don't mind the ads and um, start of the new year in 2023, we're going to have some fun products that I hope we're going to get to try, right, Ken, like in person? I hope so. I think we're, we might get maybe swag, maybe some socks we might be able to try. We won't name the brand yet because they haven't signed on. Maybe some drinks, uh, maybe good. maybe some steroids for I'm me thirsty. to get jacked. I don't I need know. Need to get jacked? Yeah, I, I do. I Probably mean, not steroids, but the other stuff, yes. Yeah, if any human growth hormone people want to reach out, I'll do it. I mean, it's not it's not going to help I mean, me with your trivia. muscles are going to get huge. Other things might shrink. Okay, well, I, we'll I just go to the so hospital. It'll be normal size for Neil. <laughs> yeah. If that happens, we'll just go to the hospital, as per mentioned. As per mentioned. Wait, which hormones are these, Jeremy? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, if you'd like to join our, our guest today uh, over at Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcasts. And all, uh, all of them are active on our uh, social media outlets, such as The Crop, uh, Twitter, and, and Instagram at trivialitypod, or our Discord, where uh, everyone is uh, joining together, play board games, watch some movies. Someone watched uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show together uh, as a, a live uh, video feed there, which is really, really fun. But um, join us over on social media as well. And uh, I'm just trying to stall the losing that's about to happen again. So, Jamie, what's what's in store for the swing round? Yeah, let's do the time warp. Yeah, please. All right, for the swing round, uh, we're, it's called What's in a Name? I'm going to give you a list of band names and then a list of backstories for how they got those names. Mm -hmm. And you have to match them. Sounds awesome. Ooh, okay. Cool. Uh, some of them might be artists, too. So the names are Childish Gambino, The Guess Who, Steely Dan, Leonard Skinner, Skrillex, ACDC, 
Fallout Boy, Black Sabbath, Daft Punk, and the Velvet Underground. Okay, what are the uh, explanations? All right, explanation one. Originally formed in 1964 under the name My Backyard, this band changed their name due to a mocking tribute to a gym teacher at Robert E. Lee High School in Jacksonville, Florida, who was notorious for strictly enforcing the school's policy against boys having long hair. Number two, formed in 1968 in Birmingham, England, the band got their name from the title of a 1963 horror film starring Boris Karloff, which happened to be showing at a cinema across the street from their rehearsal room. Number three, the band formed in Sydney, Australia in 1973. They came up with their name when one of the band's members' sister was inspired by the letters on a sewing machine. Number four, formed in LA in 1972, this band was named after a steam-powered strap-on dildo referred to in William S. Burroughs' novel, Naked Lunch. Number five, formed in New York City in 1964, the band got their name from the title of a book with graphic sexual themes. Formed in 1962, sorry, number six, formed in 1962 in Winnipeg, Canada, they picked this name with the hope that the public might assume the name was deliberately masking several famous artists that were collaborating under a pseudonym. Number seven, formed in Paris in 1993 by two former members of the band Darlin. This band's name came from a negative review in the United Kingdom's Melody Maker. Number eight, this band formed in Wilmette, Illinois in 2001 without a name for their first two shows. At the end of the second show, however, they asked the audience to yell out ideas for names. And one of the suggestions, which was inspired by The Simpsons, became the band name. Number nine, in 2008, this hip hop rapper got his stage name from the online Wu-Tang Clan name generator. And number 10, in 2008, this DJ began performing under his old AOL screen name. Okay, and uh, just for the audience reference, when we come back, we'll give the descriptions again and we'll relate the artists to them. So we'll be right back as we consider these. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— we answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. 
I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places. Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan. But nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. And we are back with our answers for the swing round. These were uh, these were a lot of fun. This is some trivia bread and butter here, wouldn't you say, Neil? I think so. It's very entertaining, and it's uh, stuff that you love to spout at parties. All right, let's have it again, Jamie. All right, so question one was uh, abandoned 1964 in Jacksonville, Florida, who were named for a gym teacher who hated long hair. Yep, we said Leonard Skinner. Yeah, band was named for Leonard Skinner. Leonard Skinner is what we went with also. Correct. And number two was 1968 in Birmingham, England, uh, named for a Boris Karlov, Karlov film across the street. We went with Black Sabbath. Yeah, this is one I didn't know offhand, but, you know, kind of what else could it be based on the list? Jeremy, we went Black Sabbath as well, right? Yep. Agreed. That is correct. Question three from Sydney, Australia in 1973, named for a sewing machine by a sister of a band member. We went with ACDC. Yeah, as did we. We agree. That is correct. And in 1972, uh, referring to the strap-on steam-powered dildo. That would be uh, Steely Dan. I'm I'm so pleased and weirded out that I know this dead to rights. It is definitely Steely Dan. And proud you should be. That is correct. Uh, question five, formed in New York City in 1964, named for a graphic sexual title of a book. Well, with the Velvet Underground. Yeah, as did we on this one. Uh, Velvet Underground. Absolutely. Number six, uh, this band from Winnipeg, Canada in 1962 gave a vague name in order to mislead uh, prospective fans that it might be some famous artists under a pseudonym. Uh, the Guess Who. Yeah, I always thought they were named in a, in a pseudo homage to the Who, but your story made a lot more sense, so we went with Guess Who also. That is their story. Question seven, Paris 1993, named for a negative review in UK's Melody Maker. Uh, whoever wrote that is probably eating their words after a long career, but uh, we said Daft Punk. I mean, whoever did write that got lucky being associated with them forever. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's Daft Punk. True that. They were all up all night <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> Tell you what, they probably got sacked pretty quick, so they didn't make that trip around the world. Mm. Well, it's like I always say, work harder faster, longer, <laughs> not smarter. <laughs> Question eight, a band who could not think of their own name asked the audience and someone came up with a Simpsons reference. Fallout Boy. Yeah, yeah Chicago, we go uh, hometown uh, band here. Uh, Fallout Boy. Yeah, we'd have to give up our L cards if we didn't know that. 
Absolutely. And question nine, uh, an artist who got his name from a Wu-Tang Clan name generator. That's Childish Gambino. I think I had this as a true-false question at my, my pub show a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Childish Gambino for sure. Absolutely. Okay, Donald Glover. And number 10, an artist who got his name because it was his old AOL screen name. Skrillex. Yeah, we're in agreement as well. Yep. And uh, before Absolutely. we tabulate the scores, just want to say that our Wu-Tang uh, name generator names are, for Jeff, Wizard Violent for Neil, Hunter Insane. You like that, Neil? It's pretty good. And I'm, I was Monkey Fearless, but I'm going to go with Monkey D Fearless. I think it's a stronger name. I like it. <laughs> Excellent. Scores? Yeah, so after that swing round, everybody got everything right in the swing round. So it was a complete sweep for both teams. Um, that'll bring Genital Hospital all the way up to 120 points, but keeping their lead at 151, perfect throughout. Bald and the beautiful. Oh, they haven't missed a question yet. They have not. Because we haven't asked this land ball question. Could it be a perfect <laughs> game? Could it be halfway to a perfect, perfect game. game? Perfect well, game? Not anymore. <laughs> All right, so, Jeremy. I know it's an audio medium, but. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jamie, uh, take it away for round two. So round two is all slam ball questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I flew too close to the sun on that. Uh, kidding. The round two's theme is surprising inventors. So, so these are people who have invented things that you might not know about. Uh, question one, a shocking inventor. Among other inventions, this founding father is credited with inventing swim fins, the odometer, the American political cartoons, and bifocals. All right, we can lock in uh, right away on this one. Uh, Jay, how are you feeling? Uh, feeling really good on this. Jeremy and I typed the same thing at the same time. Uh, I think it's the Decemberists' favorite founding father, Benjamin Redacted Franklin. Yeah, we said Ben Franklin. And that one's all about the Benjamins, absolutely. Question two, third time's a charm. Among other inventions, this founding father is credited with inventing a macaroni machine, a revolving chair with a leg rest and writing arm, and a revolving book stand. All right. I am, I'm very much between two right now, Jeremy. It's, and it's how you interpret the third time's a charm thing, because the first thing that came to mind, third time's a charm, founding fathers, uh, John Adams, in as much as he may have run for president three times, he was Washington's VP twice, and then, of course, the second president. Uh, but you threw Jefferson at me, which could arguably fit the third time's a charm clue, and it bumped the punch bowl a little bit that I think there was an old Simpsons episode uh, where Homer was becoming like a great inventor, and he wanted to... Uh, go find the chair that was invented by like Thomas Jefferson. Does that ring a bell to you at all? Or am I just making stuff up entirely? Oh, I mean a little bit. I got it from the macaroni clue, which I don't know why, but I remember hearing something recently about Jefferson and macaroni <laughs> or like popularizing macaroni or something like that. And then the books thing kind of dug it home for me just because he was an avid reader and he had like notes in all of his books mm -hmm. and he wrote his own version of the Bible, you know, like all that <laughs> stuff. So that yes. was what, my how only you diagnose that, Jamie uh, wrote your own version <laughs> of the Bible. Uh, <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> 
I'm trying desperately to connect yeah, this to BYU like, news, and I can't get there. Uh, I feel. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I think it's uh, well. You can't make it worse. <laughs> so, so Jeremy, I, I'm kind of, I'm a coin flip on this. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, look, the the third time thing really seems to point towards Adams, but like you said, the Jefferson chair thing is scratching my brain and then for whatever reason there's a link between jefferson and macaroni i mean outside of the book thing because the books just immediately made me go to jefferson but right my only worry is that jefferson was really really busy in his life being you know the ambassador to france and being portrayed by david diggs <laughs> um i mean I'll, I'm, I'm good with it if you are i think you're i think your gumption's a little stronger than mine is on this so yeah i'm good to lock in with jefferson if you are we did the same jefferson it's a great bit in 30 rock where uh, Tracy Morgan, uh, his character, thinks he's related to Thomas Jefferson, mm-hmm. and he invents the lazy Susan, and he's like, I shall call her Susan. <laughs> and as soon as you were talking about all these other revolving things, I was like, he didn't invent stuff. He just revolved everything. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put casters on this. Uh, you guys are absolutely right, and third time was a reference to third president. It is Jefferson. Okay. Oh, the perfect game. I, I was afraid I just talked us out of a right answer, almost Jay. done. <laughs> I was afraid I let you, so. <laughs> Question three. Honestly, this American president invented a device for lifting boats over shoals and other obstacles in rivers. You said. Yeah, Jeremy, I am I am dead to rights on this one. All right. So the one that uh, honesty is associated with would be. Uh, oh, wait a minute. No, well, it's honest Abe, right? So it wouldn't be. I don't but think Abraham, Abraham Lincoln the, was lifting boats. Oh, there's also the. He was lifting a lot of things. That guy was swole. He was lifting something. There's I can't also say the that cherry joke. tree myth about Washington, though, right? Yeah, there is a cherry tree myth about him. Yeah, that was about honesty too. But honest, honest Abe is the. Is he lifting boats? I don't think sure. Abe. Abe's busy. He was doing, a workman. Well, he was a workman, but he's doing law stuff. He's giving speeches. He's dunking basketballs. He doesn't have time Maybe to lift boats. There should be a rap musical about him. I think, I think Lincoln. Lincoln? All right. We'll, we'll go Matthew McConaughey's Lincoln. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong on this, but that Abe Lincoln is the only president to have a patent on record in the U.S. Patent Office. It was for lifting boats, as Jamie said, uh, I think in association with like the Mississippi River. So I am absolutely deadlocked on Abe Lincoln, Jeremy. So I'm a little disappointed when you were listing his jobs that you didn't add vampire hunting to them. <laughs> oh, I thought it was going there when they're talking about how swell he was. Uh, yeah, he before he was a lawyer, Lincoln had this like raft and he was like shipping stuff up and down the river and he invented a way of getting around obstacles. It's absolutely Abe Lincoln. I never heard that, that fact either about the patent, being the only president with the patent. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and also one of only two presidents to be in a wrestling hall of fame. Yeah. He's in the real one. <laughs> yeah. Question four. More than a method actor. This late acting icon invented a new conga drum that, instead of being tuned by five or six screws on top, could be tuned by a single crank at the bottom. What else? <laughs> <laughs> After a little deliberation, I think. I think Jeremy's got an idea on this, and I'm going to go with it. So we're locked in. Okay. So we're looking for a dead method actor. Mm-hmm. I'm just going through my head right now. Lawrence Olivier. Who's it's a, method? It's a good guess. I would say probably the most famous. Marlon Brando. Brando is probably 
what you'd consider method. He might not have gone like Daniel D. Lewis method, but like he, you know, was a he was a crank, just like the question states. So, um, I'd say Marlon Brando would be nuts enough to make a conga drum. All right, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, random actor facts. I know Marlon Brando was a drummer, um, and I don't know if he invented something, but method actor that did something with a drum that's where my mind went yeah, so. it sounds a hell of a lot better than my answer so that's so that's where we, we also went locked in with marlon brando yep uh that is exactly right marlon brando points for both and we just can't gain any ground on these folks we can't we could have been a contender <laughs> nice <laughs> but now look at us that's, We're just that's back-to-back waterfront hosts. questions i think <laughs> that's true yeah you're right that's <laughs> true on the day of my daughter's wedding Question five. Hey there, Delilah. This MGM actress of the 30s and 40s developed a system that could switch the control signal among 88 different frequencies. That is now used today in a variety of technologies, including Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. that's I got it. We can lock in. For some reason, Hedy Lamar comes to That's head. 100% it. Thank you so much. I couldn't get past yeah. like Greta Garbo and Rita Hayworth and people that, that uh, Madonna sang about. I'm like, it's 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 one of them. Which one is it? Uh, the moment you said Hedy Lamar, that just like I got an electric shock of rightness. So let's go with that for sure. Yeah, there's a great uh, documentary about her as well. What is it called? Bombshell? Bombshell, I think. Yeah. And then uh, Gal Gadot is going to play her in a series. Mm. Cool. Yeah. And oh, uh, nice. we said the same. Hedy Lamar. Yeah, it is. She uh, was pretty brilliant. And there's actually a really good graphic novel all about her life story as well. Oh, cool. That's That sounds really fun. Let's have to check that out. You know, big argument that the Allies wouldn't have won the war effort without her work. And the graphic novel is called, uh, is this uh, The Secret Communication System or Hedy Lamar's Double Life? I think it was Hedy Lamar's Double Life that I read. That was really good. Ooh, okay. Very cool. Mm. So after five in the second round... Both teams perfect, but one team's still perfect throughout the whole game. Bald and the Beautiful, 201 points, an impressive, impressive feat so far. Not too far behind, though. You guys uh, have 170 points at Genital Hospital, so still anyone's game. Usually this would be enough to not get mangled. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not looking good, that's for sure. It's... With both of us having so many points, though, it's such a slim margin. Well, we, we know now yeah, if you if you invite gonna... this many Jays into the studios, you're going to have a problem. It's such a slim margin is what they told me at the genital hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Question six, go deep. This film director developed an underwater dolly equipped with propellers that makes it easier for a camera operator to maneuver in water. Okay, when when you first started reading it, the, the first thought that came to mind when you said deep and I heard filmmaker was Jacques Cousteau, who's uh, famously done work on like scuba stuff. But uh, Jeremy thankfully gave me the the alternate out. Uh, yeah, when it comes to underwater stuff with filming, um, even making his own deep water rig, uh, James Cameron is what came to mind for me. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Three more seconds, I would have been there myself, but thank you. Yep, uh, we went uh, with James Cameron. Absolutely. Points for both teams. James Cameron. Who's excited for Avatar 2, 3, and 4? Ken? <laughs> uh, I think James Cameron is. Oh, he's very excited about that, that's for sure. <laughs> I thought Avatar 2 was the Legend of Korra, though. <laughs> Question seven. 
This guy? This famous scientist invented a better ballet toe shoe that provides additional support. All right, we are sniffing a small clue in here, we think, and we are uh, we're locked in with a guess. I this this may be where things end. We'll find out here in a moment. Uh, Jeremy and I just kind of I don't no, know if you can give each other stares today, in the middle Jay. distance on a Discord chat, uh, but I think we both did that simultaneously. We're like, uh huh. Um, I initially threw out just a complete guess of Tesla because when I think ballet i think you know eastern europe and russia and i know tesla's associated with being from that area but i don't i don't love that at all he so you know we're still kind of electrifying i hear <laughs> he stuck potatoes on the shoes well the, he the made little, little was. yeah he made little pigeon sized shoes <laughs> <laughs> no they, they, he made them so that you coil up your toes at the front it's really that was the innovation um but then jeremy threw out a couple ideas that I think might have gotten us somewhere with the name of the category. So, uh, Jeremy, do you want to talk through that? The only other things that come to mind would be like either Einstein or Edison. You know, we're talking about inventors of stuff, of stuff, and yeah, just trying to back solve we... with that category name of this guy. You know, the thought is, I think it's an expression to say that this guy is like no Einstein. So, based on literally nothing else. But that, that's uh, thats where Jeremy and I are going to lock in with Einstein. Okay. When we hear guy, like this guy, we think science guys, right? Mm -hmm. And there's only like a pretty decent handful of famous scientists, oh, you would no. say. So we said Bill Nye, the science guy. Oh, that's oh. so much better. And I think he's an engineer oh, too, so... Mm -hmm. He is an engineer, and that is exactly what that clue was. Wow. Oh, <laughs> nice pull. We got him. We, we went old school. Nice we didn't even pull. think of going. Very nicely yeah. done. I, yeah, I tip my cap to you because I, I thought that was like way off. But yeah, good good pull, Ken. Wow. Oh, that's so much better. <laughs> You're still winning, but <laughs> it feels good. As soon as you said it, like, yeah, <laughs> that fits the clue really well. Bill, 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 Bill. <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy. We, we got through the Twitter. yips. We're going to be fine. And we just yeah, learned yeah, yeah. Uh, in a previous episode, last week's episode, that uh, Bill Nye used to get mistaken for Steve Martin when he was doing stand-up. Yeah. No, he uh, he actually he won a like look-alike contest. Yeah, won a look, -like won a look, -like contest. look -like contest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Question eight. Tell her this famous stage magician, among other claims to fame, invented a hydrotherapeutic stimulator, which is quoting. A spa of a type, including a tub for holding water and a user, in particular, a female user, could enjoy. The spa's jets are strategically located to make the experience enjoyable for the female user. Oh, we can we can lock in because I heard all about this before and I know exactly how it <laughs> works. Neil went to the sex museum. <laughs> <laughs> there is a museum of sex in New York, but every time I'm in New York, no one wants to go with me, so... I'm going to have to go, go by with, myself. Hey, next time you actually invite me to New York, <laughs> I will go to the sex museum with you. All right, you. we can go together. I'll hold your hand. We'll bring, we'll bring Jamie, to, too. Like bros do, yeah. Last time he got thrown out for what he did with those. That's true. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie can drive up from Massachusetts, and we can talk all about what we're seeing. All right, we're locked in. Yeah. I, I'm actually disappointed that I don't get to see this magician in a couple of weeks. They had to reschedule a tour. 
uh, due to Teller having some kind of heart condition. Uh, but off of the clue, tell her I'm going right to Teller, which takes me right to the one who talks. Uh, I think, and, and Jeremy, I think you and I are on the same page on this. I think this is going to be Penn Gillette. Yep, a uh, friend of our show uh, is on Penn's podcast, and uh, Penn talks about this all the time in a funny, joking way, but uh, we said Penn Gillette. And Penn Gillette is absolutely right. Hey, very cool. I did not know that about him. I, I followed their master class a couple years ago. That was not uh, part of Never it. came up. Yeah, he, no. he writes books, and then, yeah, just uh, had this invention, which is pretty fun. You can look at the patent online if you want. Just Google it. I already did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question nine, a really smart idea. This famous scientist invented a new original and ornamental blouse. The design had side openings, which also serve as armholes and a central back panel that extends from the yoke to the waistband. I don't know why, Neil, but I'm thinking maybe it's Stephen Hawking. Just uh, diving down into the pool of famous scientists, like I said, that there's a handful of. Or Marie Curie, who's a famous female scientist, so might have invented a ladies blouse oh maybe for because she was spending long hours like doing a lot of work that other people weren't and maybe she didn't want to be burning up but i don't know something about stephen hawking is uh i just i'm just flabbergasted that there's a term for a blouse that's called a yoke i've never heard that before so i need to research that but i'm if you want to go stephen hawking when your gut was right on bill nye so i can't uh i can't this is less of a clue i feel but yeah let's just go stephen hawking for the hell of it all right, so we, uh, I, I initially said this as a joke, and Jay just said, let's go with it as well. Um, I, I was just like, because we said it last time, we go, Einstein, question mark, and then I, after the reread of the clue, it's like, we're with very smart, I'm like, oh, well, a very smart person, you'd call an Einstein, so I feel I was really better about it, and it was just a joke to start, but let's go with it, so we said Einstein again. Yeah, I'm hoping this is fool us once, shame on us, fool us twice kind of territory here. Uh, yeah, this time it was Einstein. That's what the very smart idea was meant to hint. Uh, I looked it up, and the yoke is the part of the garment that fits around the neck and shoulders and is sort of shaped. Oh, okay. It. That makes sense, I guess. And All right. Was there yeah, any explanation spent, of why? Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> no <laughs> idea why he was inventing this blouse. I mean, it makes some sense that he was an inventor. He spent enough time in the patent office to be inspired. Mm. <laughs> uh, question 10. Think twice. This classic American author invented a self-adhesing scrapbook. Yeah, I I randomly stumbled across this like three days ago writing for the World Trivia Federation. It is not the question that I have, but it's kind of a, a side entry point to it. Um, and I'm pretty sure that yeah, the, the quiz will be live uh, and, and done by the time this airs. So let me just very quickly read the question that I wrote that uh, answers this, if you don't mind. No, please. Uh, here's mine. What famous 19th century American is credited with the invention of the hook-based adjustable bra strap? Still incredibly common today. Uh, his intention for the innovation was to be used in place of suspenders for pants. But according to the Atlantic's Rebecca Greenfield, for those with little brassiere experience, not a button nor a snap, but a clasp is all that secures the elastic band, which holds up women's breasts. So not so dexterous, ladies and gents, you can thank Mark Twain for that. Yeah, we also said Mark Twain, because I feel like you'd want to collect all of his memories. 
Yeah, apparently he was really into scrapbooking and invented his own way. <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of the three inventions he had patented, and I just wrote about another one and stumbled across that completely randomly in the research. He uh, he was per, uh, portrayed by Val Kilmer in like a, a play. I think they videotaped yeah, it too. Yeah, stage show. Yeah. Well, uh, Jeff, I don't know how good or bad we should be feeling going into the final round, but um, as you tabulate these scores... Um, how should we be feeling based is what I'm asking you. All right, Neil, I'm going to say something and you tell me how you normally feel about it. Genital hospital has 210 points. Normally I'd feel very good about that. I'd say that's a great game right there. Is it because bald and the beautiful has 241 that you're not feeling so great? That's why, yes. The one question they missed, they made up for later in the round so even before we hear the categories i feel like we have to go all in Just, oh we're going all in i was going to ask you how you felt about it but apparently you're very willing to share yeah what uh what are those categories that we're going all in on so again like last time uh there's a single category for the final round in this case it is real pick-me-ups all about major disasters and our wagers are locked in on that one overarching category. We are going all in, and they are going all in. So we're all all in. Let's have the questions. Are you in? As Incubus famously asked. <laughs> all right, it's they time to for... go with their seventh best-known single for that reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for some real pick-me-ups. Question one. What is the bloodiest day in history? On January 23rd, 1556, this Chinese disaster is the deadliest day in recorded human history. Estimated that 830,000 people died on that single day. Question two, with a cost of $590 billion, what was the most expensive blunder in history? On April 25th, 1986, a drill simulating a power outage led to uncontrolled reactions and a steam fire that burned for nine days. 134 workers were hospitalized and 31 of them died the following weeks. 14 of them would later die from related causes. Design flaws and low safety standards were determined to have caused the terrible incident. Question three. With an estimated 75 to 200 million deaths, what was the deadliest pandemic in human history? Question four. Who was the deadliest dictator in history? During his time in power, he caused a total of 47,263,517 deaths. And question five, what is the deadliest known disease? It causes 16% of deaths worldwide. Since the year 2000, the largest increase in deaths has been for this disease rising by more than 2 million to 8.9 million deaths in 2019. Those are the upper questions, and we will be back with the downer answers. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or call she, the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then from beneath the Hollywood sign is the gin joint for you. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We are back with our answers. Let's have the questions one more time and uh, find out the method of our death. Mm -hmm. All right. Final round, real pick-me-ups. Question one, the bloodiest day in history, January 23rd, 1556 in China. Um, my 1500s uh, China knowledge is a little bit limited, I admit. Um, we feel like it was that big old earthquake that hit that day <laughs> that everybody knows about. <laughs> Yeah, and that's interesting because that's exactly what we have as well. You know, without you know the parenthetical big old, we have earthquake. Yeah, we were like, I I, I know there's probably a non-specific points, um, non-specific <laughs> points. Yeah. So I, I'm going to be that guy. There is a specific name. Do, do either team want to take a stab yeah, at it? Yeah, Jeremy, earthquake. you want me to throw a guess? Yeah, go ahead. I told you what I, I thought the same came close if it's not it, but if you have something it's, better, please. It's an incredibly specific guess. I think it might have just been called the Great Earthquake. We said the Yangtze Earthquake. It is called, and uh, forgive me if I don't pronounce it correctly, the Shangxi Earthquake. That's what I said. Which I assume is regional. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah, and that, of course, translates English as great. So, oh, clearly. <laughs> So points all around. No. <laughs> all right. No points. No points. Uh, question two, the most expensive blunder in history. Uh, we feel that's the uh, Chernobyl disaster. Yeah. What did you say the, the economic toll was? $590 billion. Uh, not great. Not terrible. We said uh, Chernobyl also. Uh, and Chernobyl it is. Uh, question three, the most deadly pandemic in history. We said the bubonic plague. Also I believe as... it killed a third of the Earth's population or something like that at the time, uh, which was less, but uh, still a lot. You call it the teenage boys plague, right? Mm -hmm. The bubonic plague? <laughs> oh, very good. Very good, <laughs> Neil. It was for Jamie. We... Was hit it for the, anyone? Hit the, hit the laugh track. <laughs> no, hit the laugh track. <laughs> Not the applause. Hit the laugh track. <laughs> that would be like on Big Bang Theory. <laughs> He's out of science. <laughs> yeah, it would, be, it would be Penny coming in with her wine glass going, or Sheldon, like, you mean like the teenage boys plague? The bubonic plague? Yeah. <laughs> we were, this is one that we were really torn on because my, my first instinctive answer was the Spanish flu, but sitting there thinking it through with Jeremy, uh, remembering that there were a couple billion people on the planet at that point, and I think it would have been really, really hard for like a tenth of them to die in three years. So we we ultimately kind of wiggled back and forth. And Jeremy, what did we land on? 
Uh, we ended up also going the bubonic plague. And points for both teams. Um, added piece of trivia. I, I've recently learned that that is where the term boo-boo comes from. Like you have a boo-boo. Oh, is it really? Person. No kidding. Yeah. That, the, um, the blemishes that would be left behind or the, um, the scarring would be called boo-boos. That is oh, that's cute. so a so thing I'm never going to tell my kids again. Yeah. So they got boo-boos by playing Ring Around the Rosie. Exactly. Different so plague. So cute. Uh, question four was the deadliest dictator in history. Uh, we said Stalin. And this is another one that we waffled back and forth between two. My, my first energy was Stalin as well. But Jeremy, you threw out an alternative name. Uh, what was that? So I, I swear I heard this somewhere on a podcast within the past. I don't know. At the time, all runs together now. That's something I was listening to where it was almost a very similar question. And they had said Stalin, and then it was brought up that Mao had killed about three times as many people as Stalin. Uh, so we ended up going with Mao. Yeah, Mao Zedong. Yeah, once again, I think Jeremy pulled it. It, it is Mao. <laughs> MVP of this episode right there, Jeremy. I'd like to know numbers now, though, to know if it's really three times or if that's just something <laughs> No, like, I, I think you're pretty close. Wrong. I think due to the Communist Party policies, I think nearly as many people starved just due to incompetence as Stalin intentionally got rid of and the final question the deadliest known disease um we were kind of going between heart disease and cancers and uh we went with although heart disease has been the top for a long time we went with cancers due to the fact that you said it was it's been rising a lot lately see we went a very different direction and i thought exclusively infectious diseases uh, so first thought, best thought on that was malaria because mosquitoes are the deadliest animal on the planet. Uh, you guys I moved agree. off the right answer there. It is coronary heart disease. Oh, nice pull. There's a lot of countries that are westernizing and taking on American diets. They're also getting heart disease. <laughs> All right. And the final round scores have been tabulated with an excellent 180 points. Genital hospital is in second place because today's cream of the crop with 271 points is the bald and the beautiful on balance off balance. Doesn't matter. I'm better than you are. Well done. Great game. Good Thank game. you. You Very kept the, game. you kept the gas on the entire time, boys. Oh, we got crushed. Thank you for being nice. <laughs> That's what the hospital told us at least. <laughs> That's true. Look, you didn't lose. You came in second. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'll start thinking that way. Well, uh, well, let's start the the thank you train here because uh, there's so many thanks to give out uh, just from our, our screen here. Jeremy, um, we uh, always love seeing you. Uh, we haven't seen you in person in a while. Hopefully, we'll, we'll change that along with Jay. But uh, any final shout outs, links, uh, promotions, whatever you'd like to say, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, just uh, big thanks to Jamie for writing the game. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, really good questions. And uh, yeah, if you want to find me on Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash LKJeremy. Uh, the main thing that might interest anybody listening here is uh, Brian Nash and I do a version of his geek trivia game every Thursday night at 9.30 p.m. Central. So come check that out, play some trivia. And uh, I don't know if this will be out in time, but if it is, we're going to be doing a fundraiser for uh, March of Dimes uh, and my channel. So part of a group of channels doing that the week of November 13th through 19th. So if it's out in time, uh, come check that out. If not, I'll be posting stuff on social media and uh, all that uh, when it gets closer. Very cool. 
Wonderful. Yeah. And shout out to Brian Nash as well. Hello to him. Um, our next uh, thank you here, uh, we said at the beginning, Jay, uh, you've been so influential to and influential to us. And it's always uh, wonderful to see you here. Uh, any any shout outs? The floor is yours, of course. Yeah, a couple quick shout outs. First and foremost, to my family to continue putting up with me. Uh, shout out to the rest of the crew over in the Trivia Writers Co-op. Uh, wouldn't be half of where I am today uh, without the love and assistance from some fellow awesome trivia hosts and writers. So shout out to all of them. Uh, as far as where listeners can find me, Twitch, five nights a week uh, at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage. Courage is spelled with the letter K, by the way, uh, where I do trivia content every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and word game content every Friday and Sunday. Uh, if real time doesn't work for you, I do commission the World Trivia Federation. Uh, quiz number 100 is about to hit. So Congrats. a big milestone there. Well uh, it'll probably be after this episode aired. So assume it was awesome. Uh, and details for that, including how to participate uh, for as low as $2 a month are at my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash liquid courage. Uh, no underscore there and still with a K. Uh, and on a personal note, um, Ken, Neil, Jeff, you guys have been absolutely killing it in the podcast space. I couldn't be prouder of you. Uh, I am honored to hitch my wagon to your star. So thank you so much. Thank you. So I know much. this is my 135th appearance <laughs> on this show, but you're always so gracious to have me on and I love you for it. Uh, keep up the good work and best of luck. Uh, let it be 300 more. Thank you. Oh, so thank much. you so much. So, much. So, so nice to see you today. And, and uh, we're, we're out of time, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that's Jamie. our time. <laughs> Jamie. Uh, we're playing us off. That's our, uh, that's our music. Jamie, what a great game today. Uh, Thank you. Like high scores, but like questions we definitely had to think about. Yes. And uh, really fun questions too. So any uh, parting words from you? Uh, let me know if I need to talk at two times speed in order to make up the time. No, no. Um, <laughs> So I, I really enjoy putting these together. So thank you for inviting me back. And a shout out to my wife, Diane, for supporting me doing stuff like this. And for my kids for not being audible while I did this. Uh, to uh, Carter and Madison, I appreciate all their support. Awesome. And that'll do it for today. Um, once again, we want to remind everybody that we are part of the Airwave Media Network, um, where you can check out great podcasts such as Pulse of the Planet, the Secret History of Hollywood, and The Projection Booth. Don't forget, There's one Ken, for Neil. They yeah. also have movie therapy. I don't know if it's as good as Jamie's actual therapy. Mm, that's true. But it comes close. And the Pirate History Podcast. <laughs> that one sounds pretty cool. All right. Well, that'll do it for today. We want to thank all of our guests once again for Jay, Jamie, Jeremy, Jeff, all the Jays, and uh, Neil, Matt somewhere, and myself, Ken. That was Triviality. Triviality.